Church Podcast with Pastor David Singleton. Amen. Really appreciate our doctors and uh, them shedding some light from the training that they've had on some very difficult issues. Um, we are in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit entitled The Holy Who. And uh, this is the third week in that series. Next week, Pastor Bill will wrap it up. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. You know, the first week, Pastor Bill talked about how the Holy Spirit unites us as a body of believers. And that is for the, the fulfillment of the Great Commission, for the evangelism of the world. And then, of course, uh, Dr. Hitchcock came last week and talked about how the Holy Spirit testifies to us and through us that Jesus is Lord. That his message is very simple, that Jesus is Lord. And that is what he goes about proclaiming. And I don't know what your experience is with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think the Holy Spirit, as Christina said last week, is a person. And so we all experience him and relationship with him a little bit differently. I wanted to start today by asking you during this Pentecost season to uh, have a little bit of a fresh start. Uh, I understand that it's very possible that some of you have had negative experiences with uh, mainly people expressing the Holy Spirit in, in the ways that they feel. I want to tell you a little bit about my story. Uh, I feel like I've sort of uh, plumbed the extremes of the Holy Spirit. I grew up a very traditional, uh, conservative, reformed boy, and we did not talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Of course, we knew that he was uh, the one that sanctified us, and he's the one that works in our hearts even before we can come to know Jesus. But uh, after salvation, we really didn't talk about you know, using the gifts or anything like that. So uh, I think subtly in the back of my mind, I, I started having this idea about the Holy Spirit that maybe he was the third wheel of the Trinity, you know, kind of the uh, bronze medalist, if you will. He was, he, was, he was God, yes, he was fully God, but maybe he was more uh, along the lines of God's gopher. You know, I, I thought maybe if, if, if I could talk to the president, why would I talk to the bank teller? So I thought, I, I love God the Father, and I love Jesus, his son, what he's done for me, but I really didn't see a whole lot of value for the Holy Spirit. And I, I found myself with this, this sort of question, the Holy who? And thus, the Holy Spirit was mainly ignored in my life. I, I didn't have a lot of purpose for him. I didn't find myself praying to him or involving him in my daily life. And then I, I came to this church in college, and I met Pastor Bill and a whole bunch of other crazy people, and, uh, and people that love the Holy Spirit who were passionate about the Holy Spirit and, and his work in their lives. And I started really chasing the Holy Spirit and pursuing relationship with him. And I found a lot of balance at this church, and I really appreciated that. Now, then I, I went uh, on this experience with my older brother. We were going to Montana on a missions trip, and we wanted to get prayed for by this little old prayer lady. And uh, she's a dear, sweet lady, and I believe she had fabulous intentions. But the packaging came across a little wrong this particular day. We went there, and, and um, we, we asked her, you know, will you pray for us and stuff? And, and uh, she prayed in tongues and stuff, and we were kind of cool with that because we had experienced that a little bit. And uh, she put her, and I think Daniel knows this story, she put her hand on me, and she was like praying, and I'm like, yes, God, come on. You know, I need this, and I was just like, yes. And I had my eyes closed, and, she, and all of a sudden she prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit, and she hit me <laughs> right in the head. And I kind of stumbled back, you know, this little old lady, because she was the short little thing, and I'm kind of tall, so she got on this stool, and she hit me right in the head. And I was surprised. I looked at her, and she looked at me. She was surprised, because she thought, hey, most of the time when I do that, people fall over. And I didn't have the education of, you know, I'm supposed to fall over when this happens. And so I was like, 
what do I do? You know, so I closed my eyes. And I'm like, okay, you know, she's going to pray for me again. And she started into it again. And it kind of got louder and louder. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm going to get hit again. And so I made up my mind of what to do. And so she hit me, and I just fell over. And my brother's sitting there laughing, but kind of looking at me like, what is going on? And as we walk out of there, he goes, you know, what happened to you? Did you get, did the Holy Spirit knock you over? I'm like, no, I didn't want her to hit me again. You know, so I, I just laid there. And, you know, I honestly believe, I honestly believe that she had the best of intentions. And I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit was there that day. Um, but the Holy Spirit did not knock me over. I fell down on my own. And so then I began to say, I, maybe I need to be a little careful about uh, the way the Holy Spirit is packaged because that can come across illegitimate. It can, it can, it can hurt people, right? And so then I got, I got really careful. But then I remember experience at my house when I was living with Pastor Daniel. And we got together with a couple of our friends and, and, or just one of our other friends. And we were praying in the living room. And it just started off a very normal prayer session. But the Holy Spirit came, His manifest presence and His power. And it was the craziest experience, but it was so legitimate and so real. I believe that was one of the first times that God really called me into ministry, really commissioned me. And I, I can't explain it. It's beyond my intellect what happened, but it was real. And so I've had experiences across the board, and I know that you maybe have too, and, and maybe you're here today and you have some woundings from people that have mispackaged the Holy Spirit. And I'm just asking you, please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because the Holy Spirit is necessary, He is essential, and He's the most beautiful gift you could ever receive from God the Father. He is, he is absolutely vital for our life as believers. Now today, we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit as counselor. And uh, you know, our own Jan Schmidt is counselor here. Uh, she's got her master's in marriage and family therapy. And she told me that, uh, she believes that the Holy Spirit is the only counselor that can cause permanent, true change. And I believe that that's true. And, and I guess my goal for you today, my goal for you today would be able, that you walk out of here and you say, oh, I'm so excited about the Holy Spirit. There's no more of this, yeah, God the Father, I love God the Father, and Jesus, I love what you did for me on the cross, but the Holy who? That you walk out of here knowing who he is, based on the last two sermons and, and looking forward to the next one, and you embrace the Holy Spirit, you look forward to communing with Him, you embrace Him as God's manifest presence today in the earth, you're excited about the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for today. As your counselor, He is a good counselor. Now I want to begin in John chapter 16, verse 7. This is going to be kind of my key passage. Oh, I'm sorry, can you go back to verse 5? Verse 5, this is Jesus talking, and Jesus says something here that kind of has blown my mind for years, and I've thought a lot about it, especially when I was a kid. He says, now I'm going to, he's talking to his disciples, and Jesus says, now I am going to him who sent me, meaning Jesus is going to the Father. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Next verse. Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. The disciples are sad, Jesus is going away. Next verse. This is where Jesus gets confusing. Verse 7, but I tell you the truth. Anytime Jesus says that, pay attention. He's about to say something that's sort of hard to believe usually. And he says, it is for your good that I go away. It's for your good. And I imagine Jesus just paused, let that set on the disciples for a second. And of course, Peter's probably there thinking, 
what is this, some sort of sick, tasteless joke? Lord, you know, here you are. We're, we're sad, we're grieving, because you keep telling us you're going away, and then you try to tell us that it's for our good. It's for our good that the guy that, you know, rescued us from drowning on the Sea of Galilee is going away. It's for our good that the guy who raises our dead friends is going away. I don't buy it. What do you mean by that? Jesus says, hold on, let me explain it. He says, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's my big idea for today, friends, is that what Jesus is saying is it's better for you that he went away and that you have the counselor now. It's better for you and me that there's no longer just one person with the Spirit of God walking the earth. There are millions. It's better for you that you have the Holy Spirit that you were given the counselor. How many of you think that it'd be pretty awesome if we could fly somewhere and wait for days and days and days to talk to the Lord Jesus himself on earth? I used to think that as a kid, like, oh, I wish I could just talk to Jesus myself. I wish I could just go and, and ask him how he caught all those fish at one time. You know, I wish, I wish that I could just see him raise a dead person. I wish... You know, there's so many things that I have to ask him that don't make sense to me. I I wish that I could just see him, then I wouldn't need to have so much faith. But Jesus himself says, it's better for you that I go. It's better for you. I'm going to talk about four big ideas of why it is better for you that you have this counselor and what he does as our counselor. And I'm going to relate it to uh, a counselor as we would think of it. Now that word paraclete, as Nathan mentioned last week, can mean a lot of things. It can mean helper, it can mean advocate, um, counselor. It can, it can be something like a lawyer. We're going to use it in the, in the frame that he uses it here in the NIV, counselor. All right? And the first thing that the counselor does to uh, better us is that he teaches us and illuminates truth. John chapter 14, verse 26. says, but the counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Good counseling involves a lot of teaching. You know, I've been in training at the seminary for marriage and family therapy, and and one of the things that we have to do is we just teach people. We teach people how to have a good conflict, and we teach them how to uh, communicate with one another. We teach them how to set appropriate boundaries in their lives with people and with in-laws and things like that. Um, Jesus was a fabulous teacher. And so we know that if he's going to have a replacement, the replacement is going to be a very good teacher. And the Holy Spirit is a fabulous teacher. Now, the first and biggest thing that he teaches us is our need for Jesus. If you flip back to John chapter 16, the passage that we started with, um, Sean, can you go there? John, the, first, the first scripture, John chapter 16, verse 8. He gives the reason why. He says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit, the first thing he does is he illuminates. He shows us our need for a Savior. He shows us that we cannot do this on our own. He shows us that uh, we are bankrupt on the inside. And that Jesus Christ is absolutely necessary. I appreciated what Nathan said last week about how the Holy Spirit testifies to us and through us that Jesus is Lord. A lot of times we get in trouble with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is like the light bulb to illuminate to us Jesus Christ, to magnify and amplify Jesus Christ. But we often get caught staring at the light bulb 
and the things that he does, the things that he causes people to do. We get caught up with those things. But really, the gifts are for the illumination, the magnification, the amplification of Jesus Christ. To draw the world to Jesus Christ. When a dead person gets up, Jesus Christ is magnified. When someone gets healed, Jesus Christ is magnified. And, and the Apostle Paul is clear. When someone speaks in tongues and it's interpreted, it's for the edification of the body. When somebody gives a word of prophecy, it's for the edification of the body. But also the normal gifts. Gifts like the gift of helps. It edifies Jesus Christ. When someone serves, when someone teaches, it edifies Jesus Christ. Or it magnifies Jesus Christ. It amplifies Jesus Christ. It edifies the body. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. The other thing the Holy Spirit, he teaches us our need for Jesus. The other thing he teaches us and helps us to understand is Scripture. How many of you have been reading Scripture at time and, and something that you've read over and over and over again all of a sudden made sense? Or all of a sudden it jumped off the page? You know, I, I tell people, um, and I've always told my students, to read the Bible like a jack-in-the-box and make sure you take the Holy Spirit with you. Um, and, and that means don't just, just read it so that you can check the box at the end of the day saying, I read my scriptures. But read it expecting the Holy Spirit to jump something out at you. And so here you are, and you open up your, your Bible. Holy Spirit, please come and illuminate truth to me. You're the truth illuminator. Come and illuminate truth. And so, Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. And it's not all overly exciting. Yep, got that. Whoa! And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit jumps something out at you. And you're like, I've never seen that before. Where was that in Philippians? I don't, I don't think I've ever read that before. All of a sudden, that makes sense to you. It clicks. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. When he does that, or when someone's preaching a sermon and they, and they unpack something that you've never heard before, that you, your mind has never made sense of that before, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is a wonderful teacher. Now he also gives us insight into other areas of our lives. John 16 verse 13 says that he will teach us all truth. Um, but like Nathan said last week, he's not necessarily, his goal is not necessarily to tell you which stocks to buy. Although I believe he could give you information into that. His goal is not to tell you which t-shirt to put on in the morning. That is not his goal. His goal is to amplify Jesus Christ, to lead us to Jesus Christ. So I think when we're dealing with issues that are outside of Scripture, we need to be careful about what we're hearing. And I like to say it's got to line up with Scripture and we should get a couple confirmations. We should talk to brothers and sisters who are trusted friends and followers of Jesus and ask them, hey, do you think this is the Holy Spirit or do you think that's the pizza I ate last night? You know, what do you think about this? And they can say, dude, I think you're right on, or that's the pizza. Just forget it, you know, and and then you can move on. Um, But the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. The Apostle Paul prays this beautiful prayer, and I pray this for Life Church. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. Give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And then he lists three things also. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that illuminating effect of the Holy Spirit, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So we're going to get hope. The riches of his glorious inheritance. Understand what is yours because of Jesus Christ. You are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And then the last part, can you go back, Sean? 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in the, in the saints. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. I pray that for Life Church, that he would illuminate truth to us, that he would illuminate the scriptures to us as we read it. The second thing he does is he guides and directs us. Good counselors give guidance, but they're encouraged to not tell people what to do. The great thing about the Holy Spirit, he's always right. So you never have to worry if he tells you what to do, uh, as opposed to a regular counselor, because sometimes they're wrong, and they're supposed to help people come up with their own solutions and things like that. The Holy Spirit is much more direct often. You know, we find a lot of general examples of of, uh, the Holy Spirit leading the disciples, leading Paul on his missionary journeys. Um, Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. But then we find some very specific examples of the Holy Spirit's direction, and these I find most fascinating. And I would encourage you over the last couple of weeks of this series to read the book of Acts. And just, it's like a Holy Spirit highlight reel. It's, all, it's full of just examples like this. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 19. It says, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, so Peter had this vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Peter says, that's not a good start, Lord. What are they wanting? You know, I mean, if the Holy Spirit says three men are looking for you, that could mean a lot of things, especially when you're being persecuted for your faith. So then the Holy Spirit answers this question. He says, get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. That's pretty specific. Three men are downstairs right now. Get up, go with them. Don't be afraid. I've sent them. Can you imagine if the Holy Spirit was directing our lives that specifically? I mean, some of you may have had experiences with that, but I would contend that we ought to be open to that. If the Holy Spirit speaks something to you that specifically, I I wonder what it would be like if the Holy Spirit said, Dave, go to Starbucks. I know you hate coffee, but there's someone there I want you to talk to. You know? They're wearing a blue shirt. You know, and gives you specific direction. The Holy Spirit has the ability, it's all throughout the book of Acts, to give us very specific direction. I was joking around with Pastor Daniel, but the Holy Spirit also has the ability to give us very forceful direction. And that is uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 36. This is one that really will blow your mind. Uh, Yeah, we'll start in verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip. So Philip is evangelizing this this guy, and he's telling him about Jesus. He says, tell me please, who who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And next verse, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip says, I don't know why I didn't think of that myself. You're a believer now. Let's baptize you. So he baptizes them, and then get this. Next verse. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Interesting. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I just wish I could have been there. You know, talk about not getting to enjoy the fruits of your labor. You get done baptizing the guy, you're all excited, and then God takes you away. Teleports him, just says, and then now look at the next verse. So he sucked Philip up into the clouds or wherever. And then Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. So I call that Holy Spirit efficiency. He had another job. And he didn't want to take the time to tell Philip to go and wait for Philip to walk there. So he just teleported. He just, he just bypassed all the other earthly things that he would have to go through. I, I say all this to say this to you. The Holy Spirit can lead you. You need to be confident in that. 
in this outreach that we, are, that we are coming up on, the Holy Spirit will direct you in what to say. The Holy Spirit can tell you who to talk to. You don't need to be nervous. He can teleport you. All right? Um, it's, it's not an issue of, of you being good enough. The Holy Spirit's plenty capable. So if he can move you physically, um, I'm pretty sure he can tell you what to say. So not only does he teach us and direct us, but number three, the Holy Spirit, as our good counselor, assures us of our salvation, that we belong to God. Good counselors bring assurance, right? I don't know how many of you have been to counseling. I have. Uh, They bring a sense of assurance. And the Holy Spirit brings assurance about our salvation. Now, if you are here today and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, you don't have that assurance. And we would love to talk to you about Jesus. We would love to share with you the message of how he died and rose again and gave his life so that we can live eternally. Um, but Jesus Christ, to, or, but the Holy Spirit to believers gives us that assurance that we are saved, that we belong to God. How many of you ever questioned your salvation before? I certainly have. I don't actually believe that true faith is possible without ever having a doubt. I don't know if you really have true faith if you've never, ever had a single doubt in your life. I think then you just bought into something because somebody told you to. But the Holy Spirit is there on the other side of that doubt to assure us of our salvation and that we belong to God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. I know we're going to a lot of scriptures today, but the scriptures are full of the Holy Spirit and what he does in our lives. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed. So having believed, having come to Christ, you were marked in him with a seal. The precious Holy Spirit is our seal. He's the promised one. Next verse. What's that? Oh, sorry. I could... Anyway... I'll just look it up. I've got it marked here. We're still getting used to our new uh, software program. The other one, you can just go all over the place. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Um, Having marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit. Some translations say a down payment. He's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise to, to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is our deposit. What does a deposit do? It says that there's something guaranteed. There's something coming. What does a down payment do? It says there's more to come. The Holy Spirit gives us that assurance that there is more to come. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. It says those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. We know that we belong to God because the spirit in us creates a change that we would never accomplish on our own. I would never as a regular human being just wake up one day and, and have the things going on inside of me that are going on. It would never happen. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance that we belong to God. Next verse, Romans 8, verse 16. This was mentioned last week. But the spirit himself testifies as our good counselor. He testifies to us that we are God's children. Can you imagine that the Holy Spirit as our counselor inside of us just saying, you belong to me. Some days you can hear that. Some days that voice is clear. 
You are my son. I delight in you. I love you. I like you. I gave my son for you. As a good counselor, he assures us that we have that salvation. And then Romans 8, 23, this is one of my favorite scriptures, calls him the first fruits. The Holy Spirit is called the first fruits. That's saying that there's a lot more to come. I'm giving you a taste right now. The Holy Spirit, as good as he is in our lives, is just a foretaste of what we'll experience for all eternity. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit today is awesome, but someday you will stand in the presence of God and his glory will eradicate the need for the Son. It's going to be unbelievable, unspeakable, an unspeakable experience. And we get to live that out for all eternity. The, the Holy Spirit is just simply a deposit made. It's saying, there's a lot more coming, but I'm going to give you this now. Take pleasure in it, delight in it, joy in it, enjoy the Holy Spirit. He's fabulous, he's phenomenal, but he's just a foretaste. He's just a first fruit of what's coming to those who believe. As it says in 2 Corinthians, that eye has not seen nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste of that, of what it will be like. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. He guides, directs us. He assures us that we belong to God. And some days we need that assurance. We need him to speak that to us. You belong to me. The enemy would love to convince us of different. And lastly, but not least, the Holy Spirit comforts us. Good counselors know how to bring comfort. They know how to bring comfort in, in some of the most traumatic times. And as a counselor, I've been privileged to sit with people through some incredibly traumatic times. Incredibly traumatic. Through affairs, through loss of loved ones, through imprisonments, all kinds of things that, that counselors are privileged to talk with people through. And the Holy Spirit brings comfort unlike any other. How many of you in here have experienced the Holy Spirit's comfort in a time when nothing else worked? No amount of Ben and Jerry's, uh, no amount of alcohol maybe in, the t- in that time of your life, no amount of, of medicating the pain away would work, but the Holy Spirit, as our good counselor, brought comfort. He comforted you. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have been watching the news lately? Think there's anybody out there that's maybe needing some comfort? I think the people in Japan may be needing some comfort. I think the people in Joplin are needing some comfort. I think the people in Massachusetts are needing comfort. It seems like every day I turn on the TV and there's more loss of life. There's more destruction. There's more evil. There's more sadness. It's like just everything is sad. People are desperate for comfort. The good news is you have the comforter inside you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. We serve the God of all comfort, and the Holy Spirit is that tangible person in our lives. Next verse. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we, so that, you see that? He comforts us in all our troubles. And it's not just purposeless. He does that so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Any of you had an opportunity to do that? To give the same comfort that the Holy Spirit had given you. 
This past week, uh, my wife and I spent two days down in uh, the Dakota Dunes. I don't know if you, any of you have seen that, but um, most of the Dakota Dunes, if everything goes the way that it's planned, will be uh, under about 10 feet of water. And uh, there's 2,500 people there. Uh, Jenny's aunt and uncle are one of them. And so I got a call from her on Tuesday, and she was in tears. And I didn't have the right words to say. Um, you know, I said I was sorry. I, I said a lot of things that probably weren't helpful. Um, but I believe that the Holy Spirit inside of me was comforting. We went down there, and we helped them move out all their stuff. We ripped out appliances, cabinets, everything out of this beautiful one-year-old home, expecting that the thing will be bulldozed. And uh, I got to see the Holy Spirit's comforting work uh, in a very tangible way. And not just through me and through my wife and us being there, uh, because we didn't say a whole lot. You know, we tried to just work hard and help, um, but the Holy Spirit was comforting from inside of us. And then I got to see it in an even more special way through my daughter, who is three years old. Um, we, uh, we were talking in a circle, and uh, Jenny's uncle was talking on the phone uh, to his daughter, who was going to be a senior in high school. And he, and he mentioned to someone else, while he was talking on the phone, he says, don't worry about it, let's get everything out, it's, it's going to be bulldozed anyway. And she overheard what he said. And immediately she, she left and went to her room and was crying. And I was with her uncle, and Jenny was back at home with her aunt and the kids, and Liv was there. And uh, Liv saw her go into her room crying. And so this senior in high school goes into her room, and she's crying because she's going to lose everything. They're going to be displaced from their, their home, and, and it's, it's more than likely going to happen. And so Liv goes in there, and she says, What's wrong? And she said, well, the flood is coming and, and we're probably going to lose our house. And Livia, uh, I believe, under the power of the Holy Spirit, says, it's okay, God is with us and Jesus died for you. She's got to throw in the Jesus died for you everywhere. <laughs> but a three-year-old girl can have the power of the Holy Spirit and the counselor working through her. And, you know, my wife was there and she said, their daughter just lit up probably because she'd never heard something like that from a three-year-old. And uh, I'd never heard Liv say anything like that. Uh, but I believe that the Holy Spirit reached out to her in a way that no one else could and comforted her, grabbed a hold of her and said, listen, it's going to be okay. I love you. I'm here. I'm with you. And I believe, friends, that we are in the end times. Is it safe to say that? I mean, how much more crap has to happen in order for us to realize that we are, we're, obviously we're getting closer every day. But, you know, every, every time you turn on the news, there's something bad happening. And, and here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that the church is going to have tremendous opportunity in the end days to really bring the comfort of the Holy Spirit to people. I'm convinced of that, that that is one of the avenues where we will have the biggest platform to share Jesus unlike any other. Is simply by showing up, bringing comfort. Jesus is Lord. Here's a bottle of water. Let me pull out your cabinets. You know? Now, here's my concern for us. The Bible promises that in the end times, the love of most will grow cold. The love of many, most, whatever. However you interpret that. That means many of us in here are at risk for that. 
for this callousness. And I've also noticed that in my own life as well, that there's a greater potential for us to just say, forget about them. And there's a greater potential for uh, what they call compassion exhaustion or compassion overwhelm, where you just see so much sadness that you don't know where to begin, so you don't do anything. And uh, it's a great fear of mine that the church would be paralyzed by that instead of doing something to bring the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the message of Jesus Christ in those very critical moments. You know, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. If we can go there, I'm going to wrap up with this. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. I want to declare to you, Life Church, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you. And this is what He's on you for. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's going to ask you to preach good news. The good news of Jesus. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's what he has for you. Are you sensing this? The Holy Spirit wants you in these times to be a vessel filled with him to reach out to the world around you. My prayer for you personally is that you fall more in love with this Holy Spirit day after day. That, you, that the Holy Spirit becomes the most beautiful thing in your life. The most beautiful thing on earth. That you would embrace Him as your personal counselor, as He teaches you, as He instructs you, and as He guides you, as He assures you of your, your salvation, as He comforts you. And then as He comforts you, and counsels you, and guides you, and directs you, you would allow Him to work outside of you to the world around you. I pray that over you personally. As for Life Church, I pray that we would embrace the Holy Spirit in everything that He has for us. That this Pentecost, we would take a fresh start and we'd say, Holy Spirit, we desire you. We need you. As, as the Hitchcock said, we want the church to be effective. We want, the, we want it to be successful. We want the message of Jesus to go everywhere. I pray that Life Church would be able to agree with Jesus. Yes, Jesus, it is good that you go because your counselor has come. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. We thank you for the gifts that you have bestowed upon us across this body, how you have equipped this body so fully to accomplish the Great Commission, to reach a world so desperately in need of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your teaching of us, for illuminating Jesus Christ to us, because we would never have looked at Jesus Christ and acknowledged our need without you first working in our lives. We thank you for guiding and directing us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, over these people that each one of them would be sensitive to your voice, that they'd be able to hear specific direction. And even as we go into this outreach on the 18th, that you would speak specific things to them. Even as they go into their workplaces, that you would speak very specific things to them of what you want them to do even as they uh, go into their family lives, even as they uh, hang out with neighbors and friends over the summer, that you would empower them divinely 
to share the message of the gospel, to testify about Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your assurance that we belong to you. Some days the enemy's attacks are so heavy that we can even question that. We thank you for the assurance that you bring us. I pray for anybody in here that does not have that assurance, that they would get that assurance, confess you as Lord, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the comfort that you bring us. We thank you for the comfort that you've brought us over the past. You've been so faithful. We can look back over our lives and see so many tumultuous times. Times when we thought we might not ever get out of it. Times when we thought we were so stuck that we'd never be free. We thank you for your freedom. And we ask that you would help us as we bring that comfort to others, to a broken, hurting world. We love you, Holy Spirit. We honor you and we reverence you. We cherish you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you. Pastor Bill loves you. And uh, we're looking forward to ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit with you to the world around us. Continue to bring your testimonies. I believe that God is giving us more and more testimonies of what he's doing in us and through us. And uh, as they continue to come, please don't... Don't hesitate. Come and share them. This should be a great opportunity for us to do that. So be blessed. Have a great week. Uh, We love you guys.